on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. That's why I didn't call this Brandon Cook Construction. I wanted it to be something, homeland was home and land, obviously, but I wanted it to be something that you could be proud to go home and tell your wife and kids, hey, I work for Homeland, or I got a job with, or you wouldn't believe what we did, or look at our billboard. I wanted it to be something you could grab onto. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings. I've got another king for you here on today's stage. Brandon Cook, welcome, my brother. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. If I was any better, I'd need a twin brother to share all this glory with. (laughs) I haven't heard that one before. I think for a half second, that would be really cool to have two of me because then we could get a lot of stuff done. But then I think, I don't know if the world could handle the crazy. Do you, do you feel similar to that? Yeah, no, I understand that completely. I'm always saying I need somebody. I need another one of me. I need another one of me. But then I start thinking, I'm like, maybe I don't. Maybe uh, it's too much. Maybe too exactly. Much. Yeah. I think we uh, were made just the way we are for a reason. So Brandon, I'm so excited to have you here. Excited for the conversation. Tell us what kind of businesses that you have. I've got a couple of irons in the fire. Of course, my my main thing, my main company is Homeland Construction LLC. So we do custom homes, land development, commercial restaurants, more on the custom side of restaurants as far as I used to do a lot of franchises. Now we do more niche stuff, like yeah. specific crazy theme stuff. That's cool. I do. We train rope horses, stuff like that. It's called Performance Horse. It's another business of mine. I got a few little tricks yeah. up my sleeve. Diversify, and I'm a go-getter, man. So if it if I can do it right, make a buck, and make people happy, then those are my three coins of success, man. If you can make money, people like it, and you're happy, you're good. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Well, obviously, we could talk a lot about the construction space, but yeah, man, even with the training of the horses and stuff, I think that it's super applicable as far as like decisions making and how you're going about that business. I think that you could pull in some of that here to the conversation as well. I want, I want to know before we get rolling, obviously you've done some pretty big projects, especially if you're in the commercial restaurant space and custom homes, stuff like that. You've obviously had a certain level of success. My question is always the same at the beginning. Why have you done it? Why do you still do it? I would say the best answer for that is I'm just driven, man. I've got other people's lives that, that depend on me to be successful. And yeah. I was raised not very lucrative cash wise. We all worked really hard. And I just, I got to a point to where yeah, I can do the physical part. I'm strong and I know how to do, I can frame a house. I can do every trade on the job, but you know, what was more applicable long-term for your health and for your stability in life is the business part. So you can take all those things you know how to do. And if you can learn the business side of it, then you can stay driven. You can wake up every morning with a new goal and want to be able to provide all the things you didn't have. So I was driven by the fact that I have responsibilities and I love building I love seeing a look on people's faces. It drives me to want to get that next big home or that next restaurant or whatever it is. It pushes me when I hand them the keys and they're ecstatic and they've had a great experience. It makes me want to do it again and replicate it and just get better every time. So I stay driven. dude. I'm, I will literally get up at four o'clock in the morning if I need to 
and work till three o'clock in the morning, nap and go do it again. I'm just, I have a long battery on me. I'm 36 years old, so it's getting a little bit shorter of a fuse, like as far <laughs> as start to finish goes, but yeah. I'm just, I'm a go-getter, man. I don't want to look up and be 55 years old and still have the same goals. I want yeah. to be able to not only elevate my family, but for all the people who dedicated their time and their loyalty and their desires and dreams along beside me, I want to be able to elevate them. If I'm a billionaire. I want them to be millionaires. And that's just my mentality. Yeah. I want everyone around me to be successful. That's why I have been successful because I care about the people that stayed with me. And I know that and I value that. Yeah. hundred percent. There's a lot, a lot going on in there. I hear that you're driven. I hear that you care for people. Obviously all those that are, are major drivers. It's funny that you said something in there where, you know, you are doing it almost subconsciously because you're just driven and that you don't want different goal or you, you want different goals at 55. You don't want the same goals. That made me think of a moment in time when I was expanding my franchises and I had three and I was trying to open up four and five. And I was almost going to potentially start the next year in the same count or same right. space that I had ended the previous year or started the previous year. And it ate me up for a good couple of weeks. I'm like setting targets for the year. And it was just a, it was just a signature on a piece of paper, buying another franchise, but I had to get it done because that yeah. started the next year in a, in growth or in a, in another level. So I haven't told that story to a lot of people, but that's what it made me think of when you're just like, no, I don't want to have the same goals. That would just eat me alive. I don't procrastinate, man. If I've got something in front of me, I will figure out a way to to knock it down, get it out of the way, and go on to the next thing. And it's something that could be a good and bad thing. You have to be careful with that kind of mentality. Sometimes you get ahead of yourself. But 100%. in today's market, I feel like it's made for guys like me who worry and have anxiety, but not even in a, such a bad way. Mm -hmm. There's there's ways to twist that and make it good for you right. to not be full of worry, but be full of just discernment and knowledge and be able to add, apply that as you go. And it helps yep. you avoid mistakes and make good decisions as you're moving and shaking. Yeah. I love what you said there, because that's really what the show's about. Obviously we all make bad decisions and we try to highlight those things so we can all learn from each other's struggles because we all have them. They're not going to go away. But the reality of it is that success is, it comes from not only just those failures of learning in the moments, but it's all the other than good decisions, the discernment that you're talking about, the not just making things out of willy nilly. Let me just go for it. Let me shoot from the hip. Yes, there's a lot of that, but if you can have discernment, not necessarily worry, love the language there, because that's really what it is. It gives you a confidence to be able to move forward. It makes the unknown known in circumstances. Setting right. light. Yeah. That's right. Good. Okay. So, how did you get started? Was it this business? Was it another business beforehand? How did you become an entrepreneur? So, I've always had something going on, even since I was a teenager. I always had a kind of yeah. a hustle. I started out welding more than anything, but my yeah. dad uh, quite a bit, and he was an auto body man by trade, but he built houses here and there, did rock masonry, stuff like that. So I learned the trades young, and uh, we were do-it-yourselfers. I think my first like actual business, I had a bar and grill that a friend of mine wanted to get into. I had the remodeling skills. I went in there, tore the place up, made it look really cool. The big place. I did that for several years, and I got to a point where I started having kids was my main thing. I met my wife. I had my first child, and I was like, okay, I can't do the 2 o'clock in the morning stuff. I can't do the talks and fighting with right. drunk people, stuff like that. I just didn't want that lifestyle anymore. It was a successful business, but I was always doing like kitchen remodels or like building fences for people on the side anyways, because I could have a million dollars in my pocket, cash, and I'd still want to go make another million, you know, uh, just because exactly. that's the way I am always hungry. I'm, I don't have a poverty mindset, but I have a, 
I don't know what you would call it. I have a mindset of it, it's, it doesn't have to be enough if you can get more kind of thing. But it's not just yeah. financially. It's just relationships and everything. But yeah. So I had the bar and grill with a buddy of mine. And then when I started my family, I was like, this is just not going to fit the kind of dad I want to be, the kind of person I want people to remember me as. So yeah. I jumped both feet in and I started Homeland Construction in 2011. I think that first year I was on every single job site every single day for the first couple of years. I just kept getting better at the business part, building relationships, subcontractors. I did what I said I was going to do and people knew that. They knew I was going to pay them. They knew I was going to show up. They knew I was going to be a man of my word and it just snowballed from there and just became bigger and bigger. And here I am today. We do, I think we did 25 custom homes last year, probably five investment homes, you know, spec homes, we call them here. I don't know what y'all call them there. Spec yeah. homes for sale, a land development restaurant last year. I always yeah. set those goals. My first year in business, I was doing like remodels and pipe fencing and yeah. pool decks. We literally covered the whole index of construction projects. And then I said, okay, next year I want to build two custom homes and I want to get into commercial. My first commercial job was at a restaurant building dumpster gates and handrails outside. I got over there and got in good with the owners. I showed up. I did what I said I was going to do. I invoiced what we agreed on. And and then they just started calling me directly. So it just really launched me into that space, which was really good for me because it gave me the big business side of construction. It gave me the high dollar contract side that I wasn't even ready for at the time. I had to fake it till I could make it. Three, four million dollar projects, not even two years in in San Antonio and Hobbs, New Mexico, and all these places for these massive franchises. And uh, man, I just always, my trick to business is always project yourself of who you want people to look at you as. And that doesn't mean being fake. That just means if I see myself as the best builder and the best guy to do business with, and that's how I'm going to project myself, even if I'm not there yet. You know, even when I was smaller, I always, it's always a, let me get with my office. And really my office is in my shop and it's a six by 10 rectangle that I framed and stuck a computer in, but you always want to protect yourself smaller to be a bigger business, I I think. Yeah. I think it, it, what you're doing is you're playing into, unfortunately, what perception is. It's not you making a false impression, playing off of what people's perception is of what success looks like. If you or I drove up in a Lamborghini, certain people would think certain things of us, call it what you want. I don't own a Lamborghini. I could buy one cash if I wanted to though. But well, I don't need that. But if I drove up in it, you would think a certain level of me or maybe even negatively because there's some negative connotation that goes along with that. Yeah, there is. The reality of it is, is that there's perception. And so what I'm hearing you say, just even in your journey, I want to pull out a couple of things for the listener that I thought were just super applicable is each year you just took some time and said, okay, like, here's what we did. Here's what I want to do now. And it wasn't this unbelievable, hey, we're going to do 25 custom homes next year. It was, hey, I want to get into this space. So I'm going to I'm going to make a couple moves this year to get in that yeah. space. I'm going to do a couple homes. I want to get make a couple connections. And of course, just even taking that time to then even think about those things, let alone set those targets is really what propelled you even into the relationship side, which then led you into the contracts, which then, you know, before you were even ready, like you said, anything to add there from the vein I'm in here? So I would say, you don't always hit every goal. Not anybody in business or any kind of sport or anything, you no, know, no athlete is going to hit every goal they ever set. But I think without goals, without, and I'm not talking about you have to like hold yourself accountable to a date. I think that you get it done as soon as you can. But I think setting goals was my biggest vision board up here to know like I hold myself responsible to that. It's like trying to be impressive for my Lord and Savior. He's never going to be disappointed in me. 
but I still want to impress him and I want to impress myself. I want to look back and say, I did this and I'm proud of myself. And I think setting those goals and having those line item achievements of, okay, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. It really helps you broom in and consolidate those goals to an achievable point to where you can say, how do I get there? And you can go one at a time. And for me, I just, I never, you don't have to be disappointed in yourself as long as you're trying, but that's the way I'm wired. If I don't hit that goal, it'll drive me insane. It'll just eat at me and eat at me and eat at me. So whatever I got to do to get there, as long as you're keeping integrity and you're not manipulating, man, I say, do whatever you got to do to get your goals reached. Yeah. Yeah. With you a few minutes ago mentioned that you did what you said you were going to do and people started to recognize that. It's unfortunate that those things are so easily recognized in an environment where most people just don't. But even now knowing maybe even the source of why you want to be excellent with your faith being involved in that, for me, being excellent isn't necessarily always about being the best or the achievement. Yes, we're obviously high achievers and we want to reach for the next thing and fulfill our potential, all that. That's how we're wired. That's how the Lord made us. But there's this likeness, like what you're talking about, as far as like, I want to impress, I want to be excellent. Why, why would I, I want to not be excellent? Is that a good representation? Right. Um, no. Well, <laughs> I, I there's wrote... only one thing truly in common, Chaz, and that's this, that every single man, woman, and child on this planet has the same amount of time in a day, you know, and I just don't believe in squandering my time. I won't do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a uh, sit down, veg out, watch TV all day kind of guy. I honestly, I've gotten away from a lot of professional sports because I'm like, it's not nothing bad about it. I'm like, I love baseball. I love the Texas Rangers, man. That's my thing. They're not paying my bills. You know, they're not going to kiss my kids goodnight. So why would I be glued to a TV when I can out, be out getting it? Improving myself. If it's not in business and improving who I am as a man and learning, reading my Bible, soaking in advice from people who are wiser than me, things like that. So I, I don't want to like, I don't want to miss those opportunities because the TV's on or whatever it is. And that's just a general example. But sure. if I'm up, I'm getting after it one way or the other, personally yeah. or in, in business space or whatever it is. Yeah. On the same vein, I've used the language, especially when I was younger, working in corporate America and in a sales environment, people come in Monday talking about the game and this, that, and the other. And did you get to see the game? And I'd say, I didn't. And, oh my gosh. It was the fill in the blank, the Super Bowl, the NFL or the, the final four. It was the whatever big game. Like, yeah, bro, I don't, last time I checked Wolf wasn't on the back of any of those jerseys. Exactly. It is on the back of my Jersey though. And yep. what I was doing this weekend was rooting for Wolf. He wasn't yep. at the game though. So I had to, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll catch the highlight. I, I love sports. I coach baseball every single year. I'm on the board for the, for our little league here in Weatherford. And I love it, man. I love promoting kids sports. Sports are very important for children, team work ethic, all that stuff. I play them a whole lot at a high level, but at the end of the day, my favorite, you know, Texas Ranger is not coming to my house to take care of me. So he's not supposed to. I'm taking care of me. So I just draw a line on that stuff to where entertainment is entertainment. And when it's time to get after, it's time to get. So I'm, and I don't, like I said, I don't want to look up and be 55 and still trying to get to the point I want to be at by the time I'm 40. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate the perspective, man. We're cut from the same cloth. I want to know <clears throat> along the way here, specifically, if you can go back to where maybe before seven figures, because that's where the listener is, right? They're, they haven't hit the million dollar mark yet in revenue. And I want to know what was the biggest struggle for you in trying to get to that mark? I would say there were two things that kind of were my biggest hindrance. I would say the, the number one thing was this confidence in the bid process. Whenever you've got somebody's home, restaurant, their dream in your hands, you know, they're trusting you, you want to do it right. Yeah. And when you're first getting into that bigger project, Mark, it, it's really hard to bid with confidence. You're relying on subcontractors, on materials, on timelines, but to make right. sure that these go as planned. 
I say that on the business side of things, I would say that's the biggest thing is having confidence in your bid, willing to do the research. You get a commercial set of plans, man. You're talking about 70, 80 pages of spec books and phone calls for every one of them. And, and when you're unknown, when you're coming up, you just you have to forecast yourself as bigger than because all these people in New York or L.A. or wherever these materials are coming from, you don't have an account with them. You never bought with them. They're not invested in you. You're not, yeah. they're not getting commissions off of you. So you have to forecast yourself as, Hey, look, this is my first one with you guys, but look at all this other stuff. Or look, at, I've got so many things going on and I'll bring them to you. And I did do those things. They did me right. But that was hard to get over that earmark. Even on the custom home side, you're going through and you're building secret passages into a library that they want out of white pine and they're, they want a wine cellar or whatever it is, whatever astronomical thing that just seems really big. And I remember my very first one was a a rotating TV around a 360 fireplace on a motor. And I was, and I'm like, I can weld anything. And I'm thinking, well, a track up. I researched this thing for 90 days, but I never showed the lack of confidence to the customer. Right. I just said, yeah, I got it. No problem. And really I was freaking out because <laughs> back then those TVs were four grand and the fireplace was worth 30 and I, thought, I can't screw this up. And so just things like that, challenging those challenges like that, having the big confidence on the business side, I would say on the personal side, of that to where the most difficult thing to get to that next earmark of you're building $200,000 starter homes or which those don't exist anymore, but you know, yeah. or whatever it was stepping your game up and you start getting into that bigger structure is just being real because you're looking at a grown man or woman in their eyes and they're trusting you to put a roof over their head. And that's yeah. a big deal to me. Huge deal. Your kids are going to sleep in there. You guys are going to raise a family there. That's a big deal to me. It may not be to everybody, but that is massive in my world. And so just being honest, and I think not being scared to be honest when yeah. something goes wrong, not sure how to accomplish something. That was my biggest jump and difficulty to get over is having the confidence to just be incredibly real and transparent all the time. I'm a transparent guy with my customers because I want them to know we're all human. We're going to make mistakes, right. whatever it is, but just knowing that it's going to be okay in business that you're not going to lose everything because you have one ticked off lady or man or whoever it is and knowing that like tomorrow will come and you will get another opportunity to be excellent getting that those couple of humps right there is what propelled me from the, that smaller tier that six-figure tier into that seven-figure tier and beyond yeah. just being able yeah. to be confident yeah so i was gonna i was gonna highlight a couple of things i heard obviously the confidence piece and that was a mindset shift it sounds like it was also a knowledge base like getting the relationships with the materials understanding the customer journey and how to communicate that customer journey to, to yeah. the client. So that way they had confidence in you, but then also knew that it wasn't, it's not perfect. You're going to take good care of them and then you're going to be vulnerable. I think some of those things, if you can put them all into whether it be your estimating sales process and getting all that kind of lined up knowledge and understanding confidence, and then even the same thing, the knowledge, understanding, confidence in your back end, which is your really your customer experience. But those are huge. And obviously a front end and a back end of a business. And I relate to that. What would you say? <clears throat> I want to kind of get into your brain around decisions that you've made. What would you say is a good decision that you've made, especially maybe back then, that same time frame before you hit the seven figure mark? What was a clear you look back? Boom. That was something I I could do again. I would say on the just on a strictly business level of that, I would say allocating some responsibility. When I started backing off the reins a little bit, let's be honest, you know, nobody's going to take care of your baby like you do. And this is just the, the reality, and I'm okay with it. At the end of the day, there's very few people who are going to ride it until the wheels fall off with you. If something goes wrong, something goes right. There's, when things are going right, everybody wants to be a part of it. 
when things aren't going super smooth, when money's tight, when mistakes happen, when jobs get whatever it is, whatever you could possibly go through in the business world, you're, you really find out who's there to cut for you is the way I would put it. But I would say backing off of some of the control was my biggest jumping point of saying, okay, because originally I estimated, I invoiced, I contracted, I budgeted, I purchased, oversaw everything, everything that this company did. I was involved with and almost 100% in control with just employees, guys more like partners, more like you're invested in this. And that's why I didn't call this Brandon Cook Construction. I wanted it to be something, homeland was home and land, obviously, but I wanted it to be something that you could be proud to go home and tell your wife and kids, hey, I work for Homeland, or I got a job with, or you wouldn't believe what we did, or look at our billboard. I wanted it to be something you could grab onto. And I think having that mindset of it's just not me, it's got to be the people around me, and backing off of that control a little bit and allowing those guys that I gave control to, to make some mistakes because they're humans too. And we all live by that grace. So being able to say, hey, you handle invoicing and giving someone control of the finances. And that's really where the biggest jump in my career has been outside of the six to seven figure, but just that and beyond yeah. was, uh, you know, just having a guy there that I trusted wholeheartedly that I knew had smart financial sense. Uh, and being able to go, you do this, and I'll go do the stuff that I know. Right. And that was huge. And it was an absolute game changer. That's when all the land development started, the, the investment properties, just really the super tall end of this game, which there's still multiple more levels than where I'm even close to. I could be out all over state to state. But control, relinquishing some control and having faith that you're, it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay because you're doing the right things. Yeah. But that's the hardest thing. Any business owner... Anybody who is invested, because those guys can walk away. At the end of the day, they can go get a job at Walmart. You're not giving your dream up like that. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, we're in this. I've got yeah. tools and trucks, advertising, and my name on the line, and I'm not a failure. So at the end of the day, everybody else can walk away and go start over. But it's not as easy for the guy with the money on the line, but the name on the line. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So good. I want. I got a follow-up question for you in that. I want to know, in that good decision of relinquishing how did you get to that place? Like you're telling the listener right now to go relinquish, right? That he needs to let go of control. But what is the thing that he needs to experience that you experienced to tip him over the edge where he's like, ah, I don't have any other options to then, but to give away control. So I can only look at it from my perspective as like a family man, right? Because I have a wife and kids that I would absolutely die for, right? I want to yeah. spend every moment with them. And for the family man's perspective, what do you value more? What do you think your kids will remember? The fact that dad bought them a new bike or the fact that dad made every football game or baseball game or whatever they're into. Right. On the younger man's side, maybe the single man's side, I would say, do you ever want to have that life? Because if you don't give up control of some of these facets of your business, it's almost impossible to either A, get it or B, keep it. Because nobody wants to be at home alone raising your family without you. No, no woman that I've ever met besides maybe a, a special couple. My wife is an amazing person, but yeah. worn out with me being gone all the time back in the day. I was traveling. And so we had a sit down. I was like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to take a pay cut. I literally took a pay cut to back then to be able to hire more people. And you can't put a price on your time though. And that's the thing is that you will not be able to put a price on the sixth birthday party. You won't be able to put a price on your first ballet recital. So finding that balance and figuring out if you're driven to be a single guy or a single woman and you're okay with that, then go do you. But I think that was my biggest motivator and my biggest head change was I would rather be an excellent businessman and also be an involved father. And so to do that, you absolutely have to 
find someone who you can trust to at least to a certain level to be able to allocate some of those responsibilities to. Because if you don't, you will do them all. And the further you get down the rabbit hole with that, the more business you have, the harder it is and the harder it is and the harder it is to relinquish some control because then all your eggs are in your basket. And if I could go back and do it again, I would have done it a year earlier. I would have sought out some people to come alongside me and treat them as equals instead of employees and be able to take some of that responsibility off my back. But that's the thing is you have to decide what kind of man or woman you want to be. And you have to do it while you're young because you, it's hard to hit that reset button when you're 50. And at that point, potentially you've missed. It doesn't mean that you can't start over. You just said it's just a little bit more difficult. Yeah. What about a bad decision? Take us to the dark place. So I would say, man, <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> I would say I got, I won't name names, but I got into a, what I thought was going to be a golden opportunity years ago. And it was right when I was kind of breaking that cusp of I'm a commercial and residential builder because there's not a lot of us. There's not a lot of guys who can go out and build a $2 million custom home and then turn around and be remodeling a restaurant or building a ground up restaurant the next week. There's just not a lot of companies that do both, but that was my goal. So I would say in that space, trying to get to that space, I took on a project that I knew here in, in South Texas, it was a massive build and I knew that the budget was tight. I knew that wasn't a good fit for me. And really I wouldn't take it back because it changed who I was as a businessman and a man, honestly, but I let my boundaries get pushed and I let someone, there's a flyer, sorry. I let <laughs> someone treat me, I want to use a nice word for it, but I let someone treat me like I was less than who I was. And I got into this really big commercial project and I knew the money was tight. I knew I didn't bid it high enough and I went forward anyways. And I want to say that after it was all said and done, I lost about $50,000 on that project, Yeah. but I learned a valuable lesson. A, if the numbers aren't there and I'm bidding at the well as well as I can, I'm not going to manipulate a number to get a job. I won't yep. do it because if you have to manipulate it to get it, you got to manipulate to keep it. Right. Yeah. And then I also learned to have my own boundaries and values. I will not let people talk to me, especially, yes, I, I may be your builder and technically we're under contract, but I'm not your employee. And you have to draw that line. You can be friendly. You can treat people as equals. You can care about their story, their journey, their wants, their desires, but their problems or their stress cannot be yours. And this one job in particular just ran me up the flagpole, man. It made me miserable. I was gone five days a week. I'd come home on the weekends. I missed everything. I think my daughter was probably three, two. I would say two. This is probably like 2013. It was like my third year in, something like that. And I was missing everything. And I was just, I was miserable. And yeah. I learned so many lessons off of that that I've implemented on every single job ever since. And it, it was, it hurt because if you want a lesson that you'll remember, let it hit your wallet. Because those <laughs> are the lessons when it breaks you and you can't pay your bills and you're worried about how you're going to pay your employees, you will not forget that. If you make a mistake, but you figure it out and you move forward, you can maybe make that one again. But when it involves, massive income loss like that, you will yeah. never forget that lesson. Yeah, you're right. We can, we all know what that kick in the face feels like financially or just overwork wise, whether it's a yeah. project that takes us too long or whatever, that burnout feeling, we've all felt that. The decision-making process that you've got now, you, you touched on it a little few minutes ago, but I want to give you just a chance to be able to maybe just explain it. When something comes across your desk now, whether it's a project, whether it's deciding what to do on your calendar with the family or not, or hiring, like we got all these types of decisions. So what's the discipline or process that you follow? Honestly, as simple as it sounds, 90% of everything that I do is just in deep prayer, man. It really is. 
if I don't feel peace about it, I'll move forward. And there's been times where maybe I overthought something or underthought something and I might've shot myself in the foot. I'm very confident in my faith and I feel like I lean on something bigger than me. Uh, and that's God. And uh, I pray about things. And if I feel peace, usually I'll, I'll go to the next step. If I don't, then I'll just say, Hey, this isn't for me or I don't think we're a good fit or whatever. And I'm not scared to say that to people. I've turned a lot of them down. And it wasn't. You look on Facebook six months later, and the guys, there's a horror story up or something like that. You know, it's just like, oh, dodge that book. But uh, my wife is my sounding board, and I trust her opinion, and I trust her level of discernment and faith and just good-heartedness to to be able to say, hey, you're not, you don't seem at peace with this. And that's important. Not everybody has that. So I would say, and I know not everybody's a Christian. And so in the business world, I feel like you you have to find some kind of sounding board to bounce those things off of that is maybe not directly involved. Right. They can go, that doesn't sound right, or that doesn't sound like a good decision to me. But people you yeah. can trust. But that's usually my process, man. So you call me and say, I want to build a custom home. But there's obviously like a general list of questions we ask. How big sure. is it? Do you have plans? Do you have financing secured? How do you blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, it comes down to, I don't charge people for that first meeting because I may walk away, or maybe you will. Maybe we meet each other and we're like, man, this is not my guy. And that's right. okay. Yeah, I'm okay with that. And you have to be okay with that because if you believe that you're putting out a good product and that you're good at your job, then you have to also believe that not every project you can build. And you got to believe that if you pass on one, there'll be another one on the table. And that's generally how I break it down. I try to get to, I try to dig in with the people, I go to the customer. And then I just spent some time in prayer about it, man. At times, I will say this. I've walked away from one home in my entire career. One commercial job in one home is my only earmarks for walking away from them in, a, in an amicable way, contractually, sure. but to a point to where I was like, this isn't going to work. And it was right. the two rules that I broke that I have now that I'll never break again, which was if I had to manipulate my numbers or myself, then I'll have to manipulate it to finish it or keep it. Yeah. And boundaries. And then I'm not, and then not spending that time in deep thought and prayer, just jumping into something because we wanted it. And every time I've ever done that and not went through my process, like rigorously, I've felt, you know, a lot more stress or whatever you want to call it, just a lot right. more anxiety about it. So I won't do it again, but I'm glad I'm fortunate for those lessons because yeah. now I don't have to go through that again because exactly. hopefully those. Yeah. Pop me upside the head once. I got it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I'm not forgetting that. If it hits you in the pocketbook, especially, yeah, that's when you really remember because now your hustle has to increase tenfold to get that back and then still take care of what's coming next. So exactly. It can be incredibly overwhelming, man. And in today's market, people tell me all the time, they're like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this and that. I'm like, hey, go get it, man. Go get it. But just know that this is a pretty hard market right now. It really is. And people are freaking out. Even the people with millions of dollars in their bank account are freaking out. Because everybody's relying on that income from somewhere. It's either oil and gas or Wall Street or investment properties or whatever it is. And the taxes are up and the gas is up and the stock market and all this craziness on COVID. And oh my gosh, it's just been a whirlwind of everybody freaking out for yep. what, three years or something. Yes. You really have your head on straight to do anything in a business space and do it well. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, kings and queens, Chaz Wolf. I want to talk to you about something that's super important to me. We put a lot of time and effort, we meaning myself and my team, into this podcast, into the content that goes out every single day. And if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this, we want it to be able to reach other business owners too. So we would love if you would like, comment, share, leave a review, post, share again, (laughs) all of the things. 
on social media, on all the different platforms, or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow. As simple as that sounds, I want to just echo that, that keep your head on straight. And really what that means is that you've got a calmness about you in amongst Mm -hmm. the storm, whether it's prayer, whether it's a sounding board, like you talked about, but there's that place of quiet where you, that brings a confidence, a calmness, a confidence to be able to see through the craziness. And I think yeah. that's it's spot on, especially for uh, the market that we're in right now, whether it's building, whether it's real estate, whether it's marketing, you name it, it things are changing faster than they ever have before. So it's, it's a, it can be fun, but it, it, there can be a challenge, a big challenge. I want to switch over our attention just to, I, I call them speed round questions, but it's a little bit different line of questioning. I want you to take your entire business and I want you to dwindle it down into one trackable metric. What is it? I would say customer service, customer okay. experience. We've done astronomically well with experience. And I think that's the main thing. That's the thing that I look at the most. It's not spending, it's not really time. It's at the end of the day, are these people happy? Are they giving us a positive review? Would they refer us to their friends, their family, their cousins, their aunts, whoever it is? Can we, because the whole point of business is to be able to repeat it. I don't want them to call somebody else when they build their next house or their next restaurant. I want my phone to ring. So customer experience, customer service is the number one most important thing in my world as far as business goes. Love it. Okay. What book would you recommend that a six-figure business owner read? Man, I'll be honest with you. I don't really read books. I've never read any self-motivating books. The only book I've ever really read, I've obviously read books in my life, but sure, I read the Bible. That's pretty it's, much It's it. a pretty good one. It's it, it, There is not a question on earth or a situation you can get into that you can't find the answer for. There's just not. I'm a Bible guy. And if I read anything, that's what I'm reading. It's in scripture. It motivates me, makes me feel peace. And you got to have that calmness to to make it today, I think. So I love it. Love it. Okay. And uh, do you network or mastermind intentionally with other entrepreneurs? I do. Uh, I'm always looking to build relationships. I'm, I'm always looking to either A, Outside of the vendors, prospect of it, suppliers, stuff like that. I always try to treat my subcontractors really well. I always try to make new friends. If I'm at Home Depot, I just met, I was at Home Depot 30 minutes ago getting stuff for these guys. And I walked into an electrician. I was like, hey, I'm looking for an electrician. He's oh man, he had a, he looks, had a nice shirt on. He had two guys with him. They weren't cursing in the aisle. They were talking respectfully. I like that. I'm like, this is the kind of guy. Cause the guy that's in Home Depot, the builder's in Home Depot, that's frustrated, that's spending money. Is that's who the real guy is? That's usually the his purest form. He's not an, on a job. There's not a customer there. He can just do what he wants to do. And I always pay attention to people in places like that, like at Home Depot or like anywhere that mostly Home Depot. But you can yeah. walk into in a public place and you can really see yep. a cashier. I just always pay attention to that. But I'm 100%. constantly ne- I'm always trying to make that next connection and yep. get that that next company on the book if I can. Make sure that I have plenty of resources. If my guy's busy, I can call somebody else. But yeah, we're doing stuff. We actually started a builders association in Parker County that I chair, and I haven't gotten it super off the ground yet. I'm selecting board members right now, but nice. I, I want to do that. Because there's like these Greater Fort Worth and like Dallas and all this stuff, and we don't have one here, but we have we have just researchers. But there's a lot of people moving here. And we're not a small place by any means. We're not a big place by any means. There's a lot of people moving. Sure. So stuff like that. Create your own network. 
Yeah, try to create and honestly be able to maintain that network and bring my vendors in, my window supplier, my plumbers, stuff like that. Elevate those guys as well who have been good to me, who have been there, done their job well, helped elevate my business and put them in front of some other people to where they can grow. They can buy another truck and put a crew in, whatever it is. Like I said in the very beginning of this chat, I want, if I'm doing really well, then I need them to at least be doing really, really, really well right underneath me, if not at the same measure. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that makes me, you're surrounded by successful people. You don't have a choice but to be successful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're uh, influenced greatly by the people that you spend time with, for sure. All right, last question here, Brandon. If you lost it all today, what would you do tomorrow? Go do it again. Same thing, same industry, same service. I would probably make the same mistakes, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would do it again, but say something catastrophic happened and I wasn't able to be on a job site or use a computer or whatever it was. I would go do it again. I have a passion for handing people the keys, man. I love it. I love it when your kids walk into their room they're like, oh my gosh, my closet's so big. Or look at this game room or whatever it is. Or you know, look right. at our pool or Whatever measure that they're excited about in their new home or whatever it is, especially in the restaurant part, because then if I build a restaurant, I get to bring my family back to there. That's you right. Know? But and you get to tell your kids it. about it. Yeah. Like we took a trip to San Antonio recently. I built this massive restaurant and it's called the Rustic. It's huge. And it's so very custom, incredibly custom. My, my wife and kids have never seen it. And we went down there to go to, I don't even remember what we were doing down there. We went down there for like a couple of days. I don't even remember what we were going to do. Alamo, no, SeaWorld. Got to go to Rusty. Uh, yeah. And they were like, and my wife actually was like, hey, let's go to that restaurant you go down here. I was like, okay. And I walk in and people are like, oh, hey, Brandon, or whatever. And uh, they see all this crazy stuff that we did. And it's right. just something you can hang your Like dad built that. I not only built that, but a lot of that I designed. And, yeah. and I take great pride. So I would 100% build it again. If I lost it today, maybe a different business name. I don't know. But <laughs> I would build it again, man. I enjoy what I do. It's been hard to enjoy it, it in recent last couple of years because it's so stressful. Yeah. But at the end of the day, man, you hand a family a keys to their luxury home and right. dude, it's a feeling like you're in control of that and there's just nothing better. Yeah. I don't think. No, I told you before we hit the record button here that I just got done building a home. And so everything that you've res that you've said, I've been on the other side of it the last 19 months. And our builder had the mindset that you have of, that moment of handing me the keys and being prepared for that and ready for that and journeying me or journeying even with me to that moment of here you go. I think things would have been very different. Not that we had this God awful experience, but it was this struggle. And I think a lot of it would have been solved by the things that you've mentioned, the customer journey, the experience, caring, not that he didn't care, but it's a matter of that moment. It's the moments. And that's what, that's really what I've taken away from this entire thing. If I could summarize everything that you're big on the moments in the business, with your family, this, that, like you're creating moments, memories from the moments even, but you've got to create the moment of handing them the keys is everything. And so then there's gotta be all these other things that line up for this moment to take place. And I think that it's something that gets missed a lot in business. So I hope that yep. the listener takes that away. It does. And if you're in my space and my space, <laughs> if you're in the construction world, especially, I haven't heard that phrase. Younger uh, guys won't they'll be in, like, what my spell? What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I think that's why. If you're in the custom business of anything, whether it's making custom cakes, building a custom home, custom this, custom that, that the show will go on. You will, you cannot make everybody happy. You, you can try, 
but you cannot drive yourself crazy. You cannot forfeit all of your mental fortitude, your peace right. to accomplish a goal that may never be possible. So being able to realize that, be okay with that is a big way to make yourself successful, I think, is just knowing that you're not going to hit a home run every time, but I can get on base. Yeah, that's right. Brandon, you've been incredible. How can the listener connect with you? Maybe they have a project that they want you to build. They got a big old restaurant in Texas or something. How can they find you? Uh, so obviously we have a Facebook page. It's Homeland Construction. Mine is pretty recognizable. It's the uh, Stars and Stripes H logo. You'll see it around the greater Fort Worth area. Homeland Builds, B-U-I-L-D-S dot com is our website all of my information is on there it's brandon at homelandbuilds.com if you got any questions or want to reach out for a project you can go to info at homelandbuilds.com yeah i'm around it's not hard to find so i'm not shy so if you call me I'll, we'll probably have a great talk and go from there yeah, yeah. would love to hear from anybody and maybe you got a question i'm never afraid to help somebody else love another that. builder whatever i'm doing it for a minute and people call me all the time I'm like okay you gotta do this go back over there facetime me I'll show you right. how to fix it. Yeah. I'm not a, I don't hold all my cards close to my vest. I'll put it out there, man. I want everybody to be successful. Yeah. That's the other thing that I didn't say it earlier, but since you brought it up again, just about a natural conversation. The other thing I got from you here today was just the abundance mindset that you operate in abundance for yourself, abundance for others, even in this case here, wanting to help other people across the country. I think it's just incredible. Dude, we have, we wish you nothing but success, blessing on your business, your family, your horse business, all the other side gigs, your family, your, your children. <laughs> All of it, dude. I'm just so thankful that I got to have you here and get to know you and we'll continue the conversation as well. Thank you for being here. I'm thankful too. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.